Welcome to the Cloud Room Community, conversations with entrepreneurs, activists, and thinkers in Seattle's most creatively inspired co-working space. I'm Nick Patrie, owner and manager of the podcast room at Cloud Studios. Today on the program, I'm talking with Susie Lee. Susie is an entrepreneur, artist, and educator. I was fascinated to hear everything that Susie's working on right now, and I can't wait for you to hear our conversation. Today on the Cloud Room Community Podcast, I'm joined by Susie Lee. Susie, thanks for being here. Thanks, Nick, for inviting me. So let's start off by getting your current job or title or role or position. Sure. I have a couple of them. Um, it's very gig-oriented, uh, gig economy-oriented. Yeah. Uh, I'm an artist, entrepreneur. Um, I'm now the executive director temporarily of an organization called Thingiverse Productions, which we'll talk about a little bit later. And I'm also what I call myself a small human nurturer. Um, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a mother of a two-year-old. I like that. I like that. Do you like your role as as small human nurturer? Um, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a complicated and a complex role. It's very interesting. It is. Sure. Um, I feel like parent is loaded. So by calling myself a small human nurturer, I feel like it gives me uh, more leeway to sort of say. I am shepherd sometimes. Sometimes I'm also the leash puller. And sometimes, you know, I'm just someone who's like, go, run, do your thing um, with maybe fewer rules. So, That's great. Yeah. And this is your first child? Yes. She was an, an, uh, a surprise. I, I found out when I was uh, 44 and she came in my life when I was 45. So I wasn't really ready to, yeah, I wasn't prepared necessarily. But um, I thought I've done startups before. This is like a different kind of startup. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I like how you take that kind of uh, pragmatic approach, too, of you can kind of put her in a general direction, but it's not up to you to... No, you know, no, everything. yeah, they come out with a with a definitely some kind of agenda of their own. And um, uh, what I've actually described to people is I feel like when I first met her, right, like in person, um, like my artist and sculpture side kicked in and I thought, she's like a medium in art where it's my responsibility and job to really know what the properties of this medium is. And mm. once you sort of learn that, you can shape it and you can try to bring out the best in that medium. But if she's glass, then you don't try to force her to do what wood does. And if she's metal, then she's not like clay. So um, in some ways, it's really like it does feel like how an artist would sort of like look at a medium and just like observe and kind of play with it in a much more um, open-ended way just to sort of discover what it is. And then from there, you kind of just hope that you have, you know, nominal skills to, to say, okay, let's make this, you know, lumpy thing into something that might be a little more whatever it's supposed to be, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah, I really like that. I've never heard parenting or, in this case, a little human nurturing uh, <laughs> described in that way. And that's great. And that sort of um, informs uh, one of the projects you're working on right now. Is that right? That is correct. So um, for her, for my, my, my daughter's name is Hannah. And for her first birthday, people would ask, oh, what would you do? You know, what are you going to do for her first birthday? And it's, oh, it's always about the parents. And I just really wasn't interested in this idea of like cupcakes for the kids and beer for the adults. So um Instead, um, a friend of mine who was a collaborator, she had come back from Beijing, and she had been actually producing children's works in China. So they were contemporary, they were experimental, they were beautiful. And when she came back to Seattle, she said, is there anything like this here? And as far as I could tell, not really. Mm -hmm. um, there might be, you know, small projects here and there, but in general, this wasn't a really cohesive thing. So 
I asked her for our first birthday to, or for Hannah's first birthday, to work with another collaborator. So it was the three of us to come up with um, a contemporary art piece, which we called a baby opera, mm-hmm. um, for her birthday. And then we opened it up to the public, to families of little kids, just to say, what what do you think? And do you want more of this? And it was just a very resounding yes. Like, mm-hmm. we want more of this. Um for a lot of parents, when they first have, especially with their first child, it's a really isolating experience. So, um, you know, we just don't have that kind of community where people come together and that whole, like, it takes a village. Like, I used to go, bleh, like, bleh, but um, it's really true. Like, you're not supposed to raise a child just on your own, right? Like, they look and seek for diversity. And so, you know, by bringing people together in, into what we kind of thought of as almost like a an artistic courtyard, you find like-minded families and you find that we're all sharing this kind of wonderful experience together and there's nothing like that. So, um, yeah, after that first performance, we're like, I think we have something here. Yeah. So this all started with that one birthday party. That's right. Wow. Um, Yes. And so what has it evolved into now? Um, So after that, we did a second one um, and that one we actually um, ticketed to see if people would actually pay for it because, you know, you know, capitalist. Right. You got it. Hey. uh, (laughs) um, And we sold out most of the shows there. And then I approached On the Boards, which is a performing arts uh, Mm -hmm. center in Queen Anne. And I wanted to think about creating something that was for babies, but in a with a partner that actually seemed very much not about babies and children. Um, not that on the boards is anti-children, but certainly it wasn't like, you know, if you have, you know, naked people and you know loud sounds mm-hmm. and and uh, you know you, you you start your shows at seven thirty. It's not really made for kids. Right. So um, the reason is because there's a lot of things that are sort of pushed you know, toy-wise or sort of edutainment kind of programming for kids. Um, And most of it I just, I really didn't resonate with. And I found there was other parents that also were like, right? And you kind of do it because you think, oh, it's good for your kids. But I was like, I'm not even sure that it's actually good for the kids, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, And I felt like there was a space and there definitely has been work made like in Denmark or in England or Australia, like some of these places that are much more cutting edge in terms of their um, artistic support. that you could make artistically rigorous work, but for a developmental age that was before they were talking or before they were walking. And in some ways, by doing this, you're actually not infantilizing babies. You're mm. really trying to look at them as, you know, as fully formed of a human as anyone else, but just saying, whatever the developmental stage is, we can create work that meets them halfway to that point. And what will always surprise you is how much the babies will actually learn and absorb from live performance. And so because live performance is multisensorial, right, there's there's song and there's music and there's movement and there's visuals and there's just this like interesting energy, they take that all in. And so that was one of the things that I noticed from my daughter was after that first performance, a few months later, she would just say, baby opera. And then she would do her feet thing, like the little feet dance. And I thought, Uh she knows. Like, she remembered something about this. Um, And so from that, we actually have gone to a lot of different theater performances because she really loves it. So, um, And for for us, we actually think of theater as not just the moment that a a show starts. We actually start from the beginning of the day where she knows she's going to a theater. So Mm -hmm. we'll, you know, I'll say, oh, today we're going to a theater, Hannah. And then it's about um, what 
what outfit she wants to wear and she really likes dresses so it's like there's a very specific dress and then she wants to wear her fancy shoes and then we go you know maybe in a taxi or we go you know through the train some other different way of getting there mm-hmm. and then it's you know walking through these doors of a totally different kind of building and getting the ticket and then her giving the ticket to the ticket person so everything becomes this like performative act that by the time the show starts it's like we've already gone two-thirds into the idea of a performance sure. anyways I like that, too, kind of creating a ritual around it. Yes, yes. And was theater something that you've always liked throughout your life? I, I, as a performer, it's terrible. You don't want me actually uh, in front of the stage or or singing or something. Um, I'm kind of the producer, conceiver, person in the back that sort of connects everything together. Um, I've always loved live theater, but, you know, one of the things that I found as a new parent is that there's very little for that age group, um, and so you kind of forget when you don't have kids that there's a lot of things that become inaccessible just because you have a kid, right? And it doesn't mean that you've suddenly lost your interest in, like, you know, the arts or culture. Mm -hmm. It's just that you just can't because the baby's asleep or um, you're just super, super tired. So I feel like what I now appreciate about theater is not just going to something where you feel like, oh, yeah, that was really cool, But it's just this like really fundamental human thing to want to be together with other people and to sort of share something that you can't do just by like turning on Netflix, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's that shared experience that makes something like live performance really unique. So what we're doing with On the Boards is in April, we're going to have a the U.S.'s first uh, performance festival for babies. So Thingiverse Productions and On the Boards will be partnering together to create um, this country's first four-day festival um, of performance works for babies. I'm thinking back to throughout your career or your life, is there a certain role or, or company that you were at that was making a memorable impact that you still think about today sometimes? Uh, yes, actually. So uh, before before I had the kid, um, I uh, f- co-founded a feminist dating app called Siren. Mm-hmm. And uh, it ran from 2013 to 2017. And in fact, when it closed, that's when I actually became pregnant. And so that's why I was like, oh, no, I'm not. Oh, wow. I It's an ulcer from the startup. So you um, did. But um, yeah, so I think that was one of the first experiences where I felt like I was an artist entering an entrepreneurial space. But the entrepreneurship and artist worlds are very similar in a lot of ways. I think we like to will something into existence, which Mm -hmm. never existed before. Um, But it was very mission-driven. I wanted something where it felt like we were treating people not as like objects that you were shopping for, but things where, you know, it was like you, it was about conversation and it was about respecting other people. And then it had this really amazing real-world impact where people were really meeting and they were falling in love and they were finding partners. And in fact, um, just this last October, I got an email from somebody who said, um, a wedding tale thanks to Siren. And their post was actually, it was basically like the most amazing marketing material for Siren, even though it had been (laughs) closed, um, about how they met in Michigan. We're the only two people in 150 miles of each other because we hadn't made it out there yet. Um, and they just said, but we really liked what the platform was doing, and we liked how each other was responding to these questions, and um, one thing led to another, and then they got married. So I feel like there's something about that that even with uh, you know, the baby performances, it's about this idea of community. Mm-hmm. Um, another question I'd like to ask is how long you've been a member at the Cloud Room and kind of what you like about the community. I've been, I've been a member since it's open because awesome. Liz had... Um, she invited all of the Stranger Genius Award artists to be able to have 
basically what are, I think, lifetime memberships. Um, and that was really, I think, Liz's uh, vision to say the kind of members that she wanted, um, they should come from all different walks of life. And by sort of you know, grabbing all of the Stranger Genius Award winners, they were, you know, they were writers and they were artists and they were playwrights and they were, you know, social activists. And they all kind of came at the beginning to really, um, I think, seed the en energy and the environment mm -hmm. here. Um, and I feel like the cloud room, and I've seen a lot of co-working spaces, and I really feel like it's definitely my favorite in terms of the balance of, you know, kind of the typical co-working spaces with the desks, but also this really well-developed social space where I think a lot of the work honestly gets done, um, you know, and it's in the middle of Capitol Hill. So that's pretty great. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thanks, Nick. Thanks to Susie Lee for being on the show. For more information, check out suzyjlee.com. The Small Human Festival is launching in April of this year. Head over to smallhumanfestival.com for more information. To learn more about The Cloud Room, go to cloudroomseattle.com. And to see what we're doing here in the podcast studio, check out cloudstudioseattle.com. I'm Nick Patry. Thanks for listening.